Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. This is episode six with Raul Gandotra. Welcome to Is Told by Nomads. I'm your host, Ty Roxon, and I'm a blogger, digital marketer, and multicultural individual who's lived on four different continents. Listen weekly as I profile people who identify with several cultures and share with you stories, tips, and interviews about how to embrace your global identity and use it to your advantage to live your best life. Let us begin. What's up, nomads? Today's episode is with Raul Gandodra. We actually met through a mutual connection, and he has a fascinating story. He has dual citizenship in England as well as the United States, but he also has an Indian influence as well and an Indian background. So you're going to hear him talk about his Oscar shortlisted film. You're going to hear him talk about dating. You're going to hear him talk about a whole bunch of things. So stay tuned and um, make sure you... Enjoy the episode and share it if you really, really like it. Okay. Good day, everyone. Today I have with me Raul Gandotra, an Academy Award shortlisted director. And he's here today to talk about his experiences as a global nomad and a third culture kid. Welcome, Raul. Thank you very much for having me. You're welcome. So, Raul, can you map out your third culture and nomadic experience? And just tell us why you moved around so much. Uh, you want to know the history or why I moved? Both. History, uh, why you moved, all that. I was born in uh, Belfast, Northern Ireland. I lived in all four parts of the UK for the first six years of my life. Then I lived in Saudi Arabia for three years. Then I lived in an international boarding school in the Himalayas in northern India for seven years. Then I lived in the States for 12 years, I think, 1992 to, yeah, you could say 12 years. Then it was one year in Prague, and now the last nine years here in London. That's my history. <laughs> uh, the moving around was because of, at first, my father and then my education. Your father and then your education. What, what does your father do? Uh, it was a doctor. Um, he had gone to England to get his final set of degrees. It was called the MRCP. And uh, you could say that the movements happened uh, partly because of uh, a promise to my grandmother 
morals and morals. Gotcha. And then it was just a promise that you were going to come home. Well, to my grand to my grandmother, yes. But by the time he eventually came back to India, he had become quite religious and uh, did not want to deal with the kind of daily corruption that occurs in in India. So uh, he wanted to make an honest living, and uh, that wasn't possible for him in India. So uh, he then moved out again. So you moved around in so many places. Where? Do you consider home? I know, I know. This is probably a really hard question, but what is what is your concept? Uh, I would not consider that I have a home. You'd say you don't have a home right now. London is your temporary residence, but it's not your actual home. You'd say. How are you defining the word home? <laughs> well, I, I mean, I, I think it, I think it's a fluid concept. I think it's very relative to to especially third culture kids. So. I'm curious to hear what your definition is. I mean, I think that uh, for me, um, a lot of the decisions I made have, have been because of my career. So in some way, to kind of add more fuel to the uncertainty as a TCK, uh, the career, you know, only adds upon that in some way. Um, I would say that while I'm living here in London, I wouldn't necessarily... I don't feel like I have a full community here and there's always this thinking that I might be leaving uh, because of uh, once I've done my first feature, which hasn't happened yet. So I keep living here <laughs> because my decision was we'll see what happens when the first feature is done. So um, who knows? Maybe I might be here for some time. Maybe I won't. I don't know. Okay. So you talked about your first feature. When did you discover that you wanted to be a filmmaker and how did that journey sort of happen? Well, that was another long and complicated question. There's no simple, there's no simple uh, answers with me, you know. Um, you want the long answer or the short? I don't even know if I can give a short answer here, you know. <laughs> Whatever answer you can give is good. Let's try the long, let's try the long answer. I think that um, I was originally playing, going to play orig- uh, professional sports, but then I had gotten injured for many years. Um it was first uh, basketball, then tennis. That's crazy because I, I used to want to be a basketball player and a tennis player as well. And then mm. rea- reality hit. Not yeah. injury. Not injury. For me, it was injuries. I never got a chance to even uh, get to reality. Uh, <laughs> uh, basically, at the time, I had picked up a camera and started taking a lot of photos. And while I was waiting for my injuries to get over and done with, I started taking more and more photos and I became quite interested and serious about photography. Then once I went to university and I kind of gave up uh, the, the, the sports route because of just being injured all the time, um, I started, uh, you know, I was doing a dual degree. One was in photography, the other was in liberal arts. Um, and... Eventually, I kind of realized that I had two bo- two feet in different boats and they were spreading apart. So I kind of decided not to pursue photography um, and just finished off my liberal arts degree. But I kept on taking different courses. I kept on doing different things, all related to, to filmmaking in some way or short form, smaller bits here and there. And effectively, what kind of happened was at the end of my undergrad degree, when I was about to start either pursuing a PhD or going into business consulting, I had a writing professor tell me, I don't think business consulting is what you think it's going to be. Um, You're not going to, it's not going to be 
it's not going to be the life you're thinking it is. And she says, so why don't you go into filmmaking? Because she had seen the breadth of, you know, what I had done. So I kind of made that decision and then started doing short films on my own, you know, burning a hole in my pocket while learning. And uh, that's kind of how it started. Um, and then the rest is kind of history, but it's been a long history in terms of, you know, doing one short film after the other, then going to film school, then doing The Road Home. And uh, one could say that despite the long track that I've followed so far, I'm still, one could say, just at the beginning of my career. The the Road Home that you mentioned there, was that was the, the uh, Academy Awards shortlisted film. Mm-hmm. Did you know that before you made that movie that it was going to be about a, a third culture kid or did you sort of just fall into that the short film was based on my personal experiences the themes and everything in it was based off of my third, uh, personal experiences i only under i only knew about the term uh when i had gone to the school my boarding school to see if i could shoot there and they passed me ruth van Rieken's book at the time and then uh, instead of doing my research that i should have been doing for one week i basically uh, i basically ended up reading the book from cover to cover because it explained me so well so it was only at about that time that i realized oh okay there's this term for me um <clears throat> Before then, it was just me trying, you know, going into long winded explanations that oh, part of this, part of this, part of this, part of this. So it was a, it was a, yeah, it was a, you could say a watershed moment in my life, you know, because at least I had a term, you know, there was a nomenclature, there was a framework with which to look at myself. You know, I mean, I think everyone is kind of given a framework if they've been raised normally in a culture. Mm-hmm. Um, if you were born in Germany, there's a framework for what it means to be German. Right, right. Um, you know, of course, there's simple, broad stereotypes, but there are all these details and things that you know make someone a German person, right? Um, and I think that that book gave me a framework, not only to learn about what I already felt inside, but also things that uh, kind of projected into the future and explained some of the past and explained some of my behavior and explained how explained how some other people viewed me and it probably it had an influence on what kind of decisions I make now since this was semi autobiographical when you were cast in was it extra did that make it extra hard for you to find someone who fit you or were you trying to be find someone that had a similar background what were you looking for um the thing is the you know i mean when you're making a film while it might be inspired by autobiographical events or or themes uh when you're making a film you know it's a it's a somewhat of a different exercise and what i mean by that is i don't necessarily view film as art per se but more about communication and communicating an emotion okay so for me, it, you know, the act of filmmaking is a is a technical and uh, logical and emotional exercise. So I, when I picked the character, I was picking the character based on how I wanted the audience to view the film, the themes, and the ideas. Um, this is not to say that, you know, it wasn't, but like the character, the the actor himself did not have my upbringing, for example. Right. Right. I mean, he did have parents, he did have a, a white father and a brown or Indian-looking mother, um, <clears throat> but, uh, but that's, that wasn't exactly my experiences, you know, because both my parents were Indian. Mm. Um, 
So no, to answer your question, I was picking the actor based on the, his ability to act and how I viewed him within the film and what kind of a message he would convey to an audience. So where can the audience find your film now? Um, they can watch it online for free in exchange for putting in their email address. Uh, the URL is roadhomefilm.com. That's all one word, roadhomefilm.com. Worldhomefilm.com. Okay. I'll, I'll be sure to put that in the show notes. So let's sort of, let's go back to your background. You sure. grew up everywhere. What did you identify as growing up? What age? Because it changed based on age. What was the first time you really discovered some sense of identity? When the first time you could say you were some nationality, what did you say you were? Um, I think for the majority of my life, I had considered myself British, um, mainly because I lived the first six years, because I had a British passport, because I liked English food. Well, at the time, um, so you could say that for the first, uh, you could say for the first sixteen years, I considered myself British. I would say for the first, say, 15, 16 years, I would have called myself British. Then I started noticing that cha things started changing ever so slightly um, in that by, by the age of 16, I was in America. I still probably still consider myself British, but I noticed I started changing the language. Rather than saying British, I then started saying the number of countries I was in, and, you know, I started, you know, Life is full of what-ifs, some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard Fixed Indemnity Insurance Plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Having a long-winded five-minute explanation of, oh, uh, my taste buds, to, you know, gravitate towards Japanese and Middle Eastern or Mediterranean food. Um, I have the time consciousness of a German. You know, I have the hospitality of probably an Indian. I have uh, the, you know, I mean, I started, you know. Right, right. You know, so I noticed that I started morphing, morphing, and then you could say, I don't know when the exact age was, but then I kept on going until 31 like that, and then it was only at 31 when I heard that TCK term, so now I would probably say that I would consider myself a TCK more than anything else. I would probably say those are my roots now and then. I remember we talked before, you said you have uh, how many passports? Two. And you have dual citizenship in, in mm -hmm. England and the U.S.? Yes. So when you would tell your British friends that you were, you were British, and they looked at you and they, they thought you were Indian, how did that make you? British friends? What do you mean by British? Oh, I mean, growing up, I, I, I remember you, you said when you were in England and you identified as, uh, as, uh, as no, English. See, 
I don't think the problems occurred as much in England. I think in England, um, I was considered the outsider because of how I looked. But I don't honestly remember that time now. But, but the thing is, you know, I, you know, there, it wasn't a question of whether I was English or not. It was more that okay, I look different from everyone else. It was once I went to that boarding school. You know, when I was in Saudi Arabia, I was in the international. You know, one of those American international schools. So over there, I don't think people were asking me where you were from. <laughs> but uh, but once I went to my boarding school in India, that's when people started asking me where was I from. I don't know why didn't people ask me that question when I was in Saudi Arabia. Why didn't they say where were you from? I don't know. So that's a very weird. You know, you'd think that that would be the first thing that people would ask, even if you. So, anyways, when I was in my boarding school <laughs> in the Himalayas, that was when I would. That's when I would say, I kept on saying I was British, and then those who looked Indian would say, "No, you're not. You're from India." And I would say, "No, I'm not Indian." And now, when you say I'm not Indian to an Indian, that you know, and me looking Indian, you know, obviously because of the history between Britain and in- India, you know, that doesn't. That doesn't that doesn't that doesn't rub the right way. Yeah, you know? I was supposed to say that. <laughs> you know? So then, of course, they would start saying, "What are you ashamed of your Indian roots? Are you ashamed of your culture? Are you ashamed?" When all I was doing was defending this feeling inside, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, so yeah, I, I can't remember what your question was, but I think I somewhat answered it. <laughs> it was more about when you started to figure out, and when you started to get questioned about identity and where that crossroads okay. in life was for you. Well, I think that for me, it was always very clear that I was British until I would say that I started hitting about 15, 16 when I started. I mean, look, I I think also the other thing is your concept of identity, you know, starts to expand. And uh, as you grow older, once you're able to see things from different points, you know, you you get a more intellectual, theoretical understanding of the concept of culture and nationality, race and biology. Whereas when you're nine, I mean, what the hell? <laughs> Not like I was reading uh, sociological, uh, you know, texts about uh, culture and things like that. You know? So you don't sound British. When did your accent change? I'm guessing that my accent was proper when I was six. And then I'm thinking that it started blending and morphing once I started going to these international schools. Because what happened was, uh, one to six, I was, I guess I was, a, well, I wasn't really, I don't think you go to school right away, so it's only five or six that you start going to school, or four or something like that. Mm-hmm. And, then, and then from six to 16, I was in international schools, and then from uh, 18 uh, onwards, uh, I was, in, uh, I was in, um, in America, you know, so... The thing is, I don't think my accent is purely American. You know, I think there are certain words that I use or certain times I say certain words which don't sound American. But, uh, but yeah, I would probably say that the accent was pure until six. The reason I asked is because my accent changed in, in an international school and I, I don't know what my accent is. People say it's something, other people say it's something else. And it depends on who I talk to because I, I do have British relatives and then when i when i talk to them i i don't sound completely british uh but my accent is less american when i talk to them and i start to say literally instead of literally and stuff like that you know just little phonetics like that but okay tell me one way or two ways that being you found being a tck has helped you or has made you it's giving you some sort of advantage 
I think that being a TCK and being able to see things from different points of view has been an invaluable gift for me as a director in that I can see things from different points of view. Um, Just to give you a small little example, I always use this example as a thing. You know, I think when you're talking to actors, you know, an actor always kind of wants to defend their character, you know, and like human beings, you never think you've done anything wrong. You always try to find a way to justify it. So if, you know, a character in the film is a murderer, for example, right? Mm. In a way, you, you know, when you're then talking to the actor who's playing that murderer, you have to find a way of humanizing them, you know. And, you know, I mean, if you want it to be realistic and captivating and everything, you know, if, you, know you, you have to tell the actor something in a way that he kind of says, well, I didn't do anything wrong. I was just defending myself. <laughs> and you have to figure that way. You have okay. to figure that out, you know. So I think the fact that I've, been, I've lived in different cultures has given me the ability to see things from different points of view. And that has been invaluable in, in directing. Yeah, I think that's the one, the biggest, the biggest thing, being able to see things from different points of view. No, that, that, that's a good one. Now, let's talk romance, Raul. <laughs> <laughs> is there a reason for that? <laughs> no, no. I, I mean, I, the reason I'm saying this is um, I imagine romance or personal relationships. I imagine... Um, being in different cultures, sometimes you've had to say bye. You've had to say not said. You have to. You've had to say bye, and building relationships is maybe. I don't know if they've been on your mind as much, but how is the process dating a TCK or non TCK or dating as a TCK for you? Well, first of all, I don't even know what the term dating really means. Uh, just just to be straightforward. Okay. Um, uh, you know, I, I think, Tayo, I think this might, uh, after whatever experiences I've had in the past, I've kind of come to realize that given my upbringing, I think it would be very hard for me to date someone who has lived all their life in one place. Oh. This is not a shot against them. This is not uh, against people who've lived all their life in one place. I've just found in my personal experience that those who have moved around or have had some sort of international experience or some sort of cross-cultural experience are better able to associate and understand me and it's on a more on a gut level or than than a intellectual level i think there are things that don't have to be expressed when the other person has had similar experiences mm-hmm. to you where i see if i were to talk to someone who has lived all their life in one place, either they don't understand the concept of being a TCK or it's a foreign concept, or you can sense that there's something weird about it, or they just think I'm in denial. You know, I'm, I'm grossly oversimplifying, but there's a certain level of, you know, you know very, fixed, a very fixed lens. So I think for me, um, I have since realized that it probably wouldn't work for me to be with someone who's lived all their life in one place. Um, I'm sure there are there are people who've lived all their life in one place who are really open-minded and curious about the world, and probably those are the exceptions. But in general, that's the kind of conclusion that I have come to in my life. And maybe this is a close-minded way of thinking or something, but it's just something that I've kind of concluded. No, that's fair. That's fair. All right, I'm going to do a series of rapid-fire questions. I want you to tell me the first country that comes to mind for you. Okay. Sure. Country with the best food. The Mediterranean or Japan? 
country with the best music? Holy mother of God, man. I don't know. <laughs> My tastes are so varied that uh, I, I can't, I don't know. I have no idea. As a director, and you, you, you know, you sort of live between many worlds, Hollywood, Bollywood, British film, which country makes the best film? Oh gosh, Tyler, what, what kind of questions are these? Um, these are hard questions. These are hard thought questions, bro. <laughs> no, I'm, uh, I'm, just, I'm just kidding. But uh, I don't know. I, that, that's another tough question. I, I can't. I, that, that, I I know of good films from every every part of the world. For me to say that one country makes better films than others is uh, a little a little difficult to to. I guess uh, the the last one would be. If you were to ask me which countries the which countries are the most time conscious, I can answer that for you. <laughs> which countries the most what? Most time conscious, for example. Which country is the most time conscious? Uh, probably Germany, Switzerland, Austria. You know those. You know. So they, those, they don't operate on their own time. No, 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 no. When they say five o'clock, it means five o'clock. Whereas in some other cultures, five o'clock means six o'clock. <laughs> <laughs> in Nigeria, five o'clock means eight o'clock. So <laughs> yes, yes, my point exactly. That is something that I I do. I think we call it African time. That's what we call it. But I, I don't operate in African time because I always operate on the time. So what are you up to now? And where can we find out more about you? Sorry, what do you mean? What, what, what's your project? What project? Uh, what, what's your next film? What, what are you up to? Um, websites? Um, basically, the main website to see is roadhomefilm.com. Uh, what I'm working on now... Uh, you know, I've expanded the short film into a feature script that I'm awaiting financing for. Okay. So if you know any rich investors, let me know. Um, okay. <laughs> we, my screenwriting partner and I, we've written our second feature script, which is a political comedy uh, that we're hoping would uh, direct after I've directed my first feature. And, um, and yeah, I think uh, and that's kind of... We're starting to think of ideas for our third feature. Uh, so, you know, right now, um, that's kind of what's on the on the horizon. Okay, and people can reach out to you where? I have a Facebook uh, fan page on Facebook. It's facebook.com slash argandotra. I think uh, they can reach out to me that there. Well, thank you very much, Raul. It's been a pleasure. Definitely have a lot of interesting stories and perspectives, So. No, thank you. Thanks for tuning in. You were just listening to Is Told by Nomads. If you enjoyed the show, please leave a review here on iTunes or on Stitcher and subscribe. Also, be sure to head over to my website, tyroxin.com, to subscribe for more updates and tips on how to navigate the world and check out some of the other things I'm doing. Till next time, remember, home is not necessarily a physical place. It is wherever you most feel comfortable. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quinn's. 
Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.